Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. I'm rolling if you guys want to. Okay, just got to have a little bit of chocolate chip biscuit. I oh, know, there's chocolate biscuits here. Like, so there's always biscuits there. There is. I an up and go. Banana. Chewy. And up. Oh, cursed. Not only is it an up and go, it's banana flavoured. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm really. <laughs> I've, I've let myself go. It's. Yeah. No one wants to hear anyone eating. So I apologise. I just needed something sweet. And also. They are really good cookies. It's very hard to sip your tea. Mm. We're going to have to, like, coordinate. You have to go first. I'm not ready. Because <laughs> these biscuits are really good. Don't record this because it's horrible. Oh, it's rolling. No but... crying at the start of this. Mm-hmm. This is a tear-free episode. Oh, we already texted about the American murder next door. Mm-hmm. That guy. Um, if you haven't watched it on Netflix, what is it called? It's very good. Oh, I actually watched a good movie called? last night called. Hold on, I'm going to look I think it. it's called something like I'm, I it's can't American, live on this world anymore or something. American Murder, The Family Next Door. Yep. That's it, isn't and it? You That's were talking, it. You'd, you'd, talking, you'd spoken about that episode before. I'd been spoken, talking about it. Yeah, yes. you've been talking. <laughs> Why, what's, what, what? Well, you've done, we, we've done it on the podcast. Well, like an I, don't, I don't know. Oh, well, that's um, why, because I'm watching it unfold and then I'm thinking hang on because mm. I can remember when he said Keep the girl's so name mm-hmm. yeah, yeah when he said his wife's name I can remember you yes. w- worrying about whether you were saying her name correctly or yeah. not mm-hmm. what was the name Kirst? Shanann I think or Sh- Shanann. Shanann and I'm not even confident I'm saying that right but I think Shanann but you know what was so amazing about that show on Netflix and if you haven't watched it you should definitely watch it it's the first story I've seen told Without a narrator. Yep. yep. Yeah. It just all unfolds. just stringing together the whole, it's just a modern murder where you can string together the body cam into the interview footage, mm-hmm. into the whole thing. It's amazing. It's just there. I'm amazing. paying attention. I'm just trying to find Incredible. the name of the movie I watched last night so that I can recommend it properly to you. Uh, um, I can't. <laughs> well, you yeah. remember how everyone told us to watch Casketeers? Has anyone done that? Because I no. did. I yes. finally did it. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, but lots of tears. I think I've cried in every episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And as we know, I'm very prone to crying at the moment. So. Are you? Yeah. I'm feeling other people's pain a lot. That's why I'm crying. Yeah. A lot. I feel like I haven't got crying left. Like I was quite. A roller coaster of emotions this whole lockdown yes. in Victoria. Yes. Mm. That's it, exactly. It was up and down. Yeah. Yeah. I was angry. I was sad. I was... A friend of ours, um, puppy dog, died a week or so ago. And oh I, it's like I've got a lump of lead inside me. I'm so sad for her. Kirsten knows who I'm talking about. She's a friend we work with. And we're not even that close. Like, we're, no, fr- we're, we're just friends. we're feeling other people's but pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, the movie is I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Mm. It's on Netflix. Okay. And... It's just good. It's got a lot of murdering in it. Oh, okay. But you'd real yeah. so it's a woman, I won't spoil it. Sure. But a woman is she's kinda of having a depressing time, things are all going wrong. It's one of those weird ones that you find yourself laughing every yes. now and again, even though it's quite well, do black. You know, yes. When in lockdown Yes I felt like I was in a movie. Oh. But I felt like I was in I Am Legend. Yes. Because we would drive. Yes, right? And yeah. Kirst, you would know this because you're going into the studio. Yep. When you drive through the city, mm-hmm. it was just empty. Ghost town. There's, Ghost yeah, nothing town. is open. It's so eerie. It is so I'm bizarre. I'm scared to come back to the city. Why? Thing. I don't know. Yesterday, Bonnie and I went to a shop. Yes. And I don't know how I felt about it. Oh, no, you must go back into the city. You mm. must spend sprinkle all your money around to everyone. Well, I sprinkled it. We went to Savers, which is like a if you don't have a Savers in your wherever you live, it's it's like a giant op shop. Yeah. And I just I Selvos. actually wanted I wanted secondhand books and I wanted secondhand puzzles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
it was I was a bit overwhelmed. And there's always a loud person in Savers who's talking about what they're doing. Always. Oh, this is the Christmas decoration aisle. I'm going to get something for someone. Like yeah. to, oh, oh, Corningware. I've been waiting to get yeah. Corningware. Commentating their shopping. Yeah. And I'll tell you what else there is in the one I went. There's an overly helpful assistant in the book area. Um, people who've annoying. I won't name the store. Well, it, on most days it's annoying, but and mm. yet yesterday I actually needed his help, and so I was glad for him to be oh, there. Good. Okay. And so he, I knew he would come up. I was looking for a particular book, and he said, "Can I help you?" And I said, "Yeah." As a matter of fact, you can. <laughs> this and one he, time, yes, you can. I know. Mm. And he literally like puffed up like a peacock. He was so <laughs> happy. I think he might be like slightly on the spectrum mm. because he doesn't sort of read social cues from people. But anyway, okay, when fine. I said to him, "Yes, I, I could use some help. I'm looking for um, I read books. a couple of books. No, oh, funnily enough, I'm okay with them." Okay. Uh, there's an author named Elizabeth Berg, and I've read two of her books. Okay. And uh, in the back, it had a list of a few more that she's written, so I wanted to see if there's anything by her. Okay. He was so happy. He said, well, come along here. This is where I put the Bs and the Cs. Let's have a yes, look there. Yes, I love that. Yeah, he was good. I rearranged our whole bookshelf in lockdown. It's now colour-coordinated. Oh, people do that. Yes. How do you feel about it? I, is it? I like it. And... We're also going to get our garden landscaped because we decided if we could spend so much money on the dog dying, almost, we could get the garden done finally. So we're getting that done. I'm so excited and I've started reading more. Reading more is good. Which I really recommend for the soul. I've got tons of books. Can I give you books? I'll read you. What kind of books are you reading? Oh, I'm not. I'm still not reading too much murder. No, no, no. no. I'm reading escapism books, you know? Yes. Mm, I'm reading one at the moment about a, a woman who ends up moving into this museum with her son because they inherit it and all the things that happen in the museum. Oh, yeah, that's know. exciting. I might loan you my Elizabeth Berg then because she's got a nice sort of witty way of... Okay, but if I hate them, I'm going to tell you because I'm yeah. really big on that. Well, one people, is where her husband's people... left her and yes. she's got a, uh, she's has just getting used to living without him. And okay. the other one is uh, a woman whose husband is in has this bizarre accident mm. and ends up in a coma but I won't tell you what happens okay. but it, it, you stick with it the, okay yep, if I hate them I'll tell you you know when people give you books and they say read this it's my favorite book if a friend did it, that to me yeah. yeah yeah a friend did that and he messaged me and said bless his soul he's such a beautiful person he said how's the book going and I wrote back absolutely fucking hate it yeah I'm like <laughs> he that was if I don't shattered like and then yeah. I gave him a book to read and he was like I hate this book and I was like it's fine yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I don't mind that at all. You might not like them. Because one of these ones, actually, someone must have given it to me. I don't know where it came from. And I can remember reading the first paragraph or two or, you know, first chapter or two yes. at some point and going, I don't want to read this. The bloke's in a coma. Like, why would I, yeah. what do I want to read that for? Um, but this time I just swallowed it whole. Loved do you it. want a toilet story? Yeah, go. Okay, so at Channel 7 during COVID – we had to. Everyone had to move God, out. I love you. Sorry, no one would I ever just th- thought about didn't it. Want a toilet story? Well, yes, I, I do. I just thought about it. <laughs> yes. So at Channel Seven, everyone <laughs> had to move to different parts of the building. Yep. So all sales and marketing were working from home, and it was pretty much just news left in the building. It's a big building too, and we were spread across three floors, right? And actually, it's going to be a toilet slash farting story. The best and kind. Yeah, you're welcome. Turn my microphone off to sip my tea. And so we got moved to, so we were, newsroom is like on the middle level and we were moved to levels above and below it. I was on the level below it. And I was there with another journo, probably two other journos on that level, all spread out. And I went to the bathroom and I just had this distinct feeling, right? So I'm in the toilet and I can hear what people are saying in the office from in the toilet. Well, which means it goes the other right? way as well. Thank you. Yes. No. Which means that they can hear you. Tinkling. Correct. Oh. So I tinkled and then I raced out and I said to the journal, did you hear me pee? And she was like, mm, I wasn't listening, but I was like, you go pee and I want to see if I can hear you. But isn't there, there's sort of hustle and bustle and noise and TV no, monitors and not. stuff. Oh, well, there's put not. something on it's in the newsroom. It's dead quiet. But we're not in the newsroom. There's no, because these are just offices. Get radio. I know. This was the thing. It was so dead quiet. Anyway, so... She goes, I listen. 
can absolutely hear the situation going on in there, right? Right. So she comes out. I'm like, oh, I can hear you. (laughs) I don't know what we're going to do about this moving forward, but just be wary. You know, like I can hear you. So this has been like for months we're down there on our own, right? And and people, are, you know, we're putting toilet paper in there so no one can hear you do, doing what you're doing. But That never works. Right. right? Because and I, once the toilet paper's gone into water, you're back in the yeah. situation. I got used to no one being on that level because obviously we're not all rostered on the same day. Yep. So there were days when I was down on level one by myself. And now I have to bring in the fact that AFL was cancelled for a while. We're yep. obviously the AFL network. And the level that I was on people that worked on the AFL worked on that level. They were kind of towards the end of the room. Anyway, I thought I was in there on my own. Oh, don't. I farted. Don't. <laughs> don't. Well, that's all right. I don't mind. I, I farted. I No one would ever believe that you, who look like a, a sweet princess no, angel, I, do you know could, what fart. I farted. And yes. then I heard voices. <laughs> and they were all the AFL people had re-emerged. Cause they wouldn't care. I'm they crying care. again. But Men happy, do that. Men because do footy that. was They're back. Fine. Why didn't anyone tell me that footy was back? I wasn't across it. It's not something I keep on top of. I'm trying to get my head around state poles. Footy's back. I farted. They're all there. I was frozen. And I, when I say... I snuck out of the office, hiding behind the partitions. <laughs> like, why did I do? They wouldn't, because you didn't know. <sighs> I um, I farted yesterday in Savers <laughs> because because I got I got. I love that you have admitted that. You would never have admitted that if I didn't go first. Well, I got really panicky because I just haven't been out. <laughs> I haven't been out anywhere for a while and everything was like weird. Okay, so like, I'll tell you, it was like a clusterfuck of all, all terrible things. And we are really gassy because we're all eating shit. Yes, there's that. But we ha- I haven't been out anywhere. I have not been anywhere for months. No. So I was slightly panicky because yes. of that. I had washed my mask that morning and sure. it, it hadn't dried properly. Oh, so I was literally like wet like, on your face. I, it, I couldn't breathe. Yeah. So that was making me panic. <laughs> Fluorescent lights. Like I always yeah. want to get diarrhea in Ikea because there's a fluorescent yes. light. And I, so what? it was that. There were people. There was Wait. the loud lady who was oh. commentating and shopping. It was just everything together. And then there was the I overly have helpful IBS man. And I'm still not getting diarrhea in Ikea. <laughs> what? I no. don't know. I don't know. And I could Kirsty, feel is it. Thing? It's a thing. I think there's something to do with browsing, the combination of browsing yes. and fluorescent lights. I don't lights. know. I feel, Anyway, there was no Ooh. one in the aisle that I was in. I thought... For fuck's sake, people socially distance. That means give me this aisle to myself. Surely, if someone comes to this aisle, sees that I'm in it, yes. they won't come into it. Therefore, I have this scope no. of yeah. just whatever. And minute. everyone's wearing masks still, so you're yes. hoping that you farted to and do no it. one has heard. But smelt here's it. the ter- oh no, I won't. Do you want it? Yes, yeah, we want I details. Do. It was like a, Thank you it you wasn't cursed. a loud one. I knew that it was going to be quiet. I just had a feeling no, it was going to be. A, so I thought it was just going to be a bubble. I bet it stunk. Smells. It was a hot one. It was a little hot one. Like in, and I thought, damn it, that is going to smell like I've actually taken a shit on the floor. I haven't. So I just had to get out of there really quickly. Mine was like a rhinoceros one. It was really big. It wasn't stinky, but it was big and like. Thoughts change as you get older too, because we used to. Mine was confident. We used to go, yeah, but you've got young firm cheeks. You see, when you get to my age, everything's a bit looser. No, it's what we're eating because in lockdown, yeah, there is no, I there's no presence of time. Yes, and there's too many snack foods. The snack foods. I was eating my feelings. I was just eating whatever I wanted. Oh, I had dried ap- dried apricots last night, and also at, when I did go to Costco, I bought this bulk pack. It's like a kilo of dried fruits. See, and you think <laughs> dried fruits healthy? Disaster. It's not. It's not healthy. <laughs> oh my lord! Well, anyway, I'm back in the newsroom now, and the toilets in the newsroom are quiet. <laughs> oh, good. But just put something on in the the newsroom. Put a radio on or something. No, you to... can't hear in the newsroom toilets. It was only that I'm back. Okay. Yeah, you can't hear anymore. All but right. real issue, honestly. Give me some dead bodies. 
Yeah. I messaged my best friend right after I did that fart too. And I said, you're not going to believe what's happened. Like I had to tell someone. I was like, like, did she believe it? Yeah. She was yeah. like, I die for you, babe. You were like, how loud was it? I was like, it was loud. But I think in the, in the larger population, nobody would think they would think, no, it wouldn't have been her. Sure no, not. I know they heard it. And I was the only, yeah, like, no, but it, anyway. They might have thought a cleaner had come through or something. No, it was, there was only me. <laughs> <laughs> I have to accept that. I I have to accept that they would have known it was me. <laughs> There's no one else. Okay. If I don't speak for a minute, it's because I'm turning my microphone on. You do think. So I am going to talk about Herman Rockefeller. Herman Rockefeller is a multimillionaire property investor. We're in Melbourne and we're modern time. He's 51 years old. Why are you going to laugh? You're still thinking about farts, aren't you? No, I'm so here for this story. This is one of my favorite it's stories such ever. a brilliant story because i can't believe like, we haven't done it what the fuck are you doing mate? yeah 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 what are you what doing? is happening all right yeah go. okay so he's 51 years old and he lives in melbourne's leafy and it's an expensive suburb uh east Malvern. he's married to a woman called vicky they've been married for 20 years and they have two teenage children aged 18 and 16 friend of mine sure Lived just a few streets away from I him, love that. and was so thrilled to be like close to in amongst the action. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. Okay, so although he's a multimillionaire, he lives a very modest life. The family go to church. They're not flashy. He's well spoken. He looks after himself health wise, and he's fit. Um, he isn't loud or a show off. He's they're very much a decent family. On January twenty one, twenty ten. Herman goes to New South Wales for business. He's there for four days with his business partner, who is also his brother. His name is Robert. But uh, Herman flies home alone. Mm -hmm. Before he leaves New South Wales, he texts his wife, Vicky, and says he'll be home a little late, around 10.30, because his plane is delayed. And Vicky replies, and at that time, she's actually at the Australian Open. And she says the game's going to five sets, so they'll probably be home around the same time. Right. Vicky gets home at 11.15 and Herman still isn't there and she starts to worry. So she starts calling his phone over and over again and he isn't answering. And at midnight, Vicky calls police. Seems extreme, mm. but Herman is always on time. He's meticulous yeah. about telling her where he's going, if he's running late, what he's doing. And so I think that her sixth sense yes. was going off. Yep. So uh, they call police and three days on, Herman is still not home. So on January 24, Vicky, with the help of Victoria Police, makes a public appeal. We've got some of that audio here. Absolutely baffling. There's just nothing. And that's why we just have to appeal to the public to look for that car and for him. So Herman was supposed to be heading straight home to his wife, but when police checked his car, they realised that his e-tag, as we call it, Mm -hmm. it's like a little tollway device, hadn't accessed any of the tollways. Uh, His bank accounts hadn't been touched either. So this case immediately baffled everyone, and you can only imagine, like, this family is so normal mm. that for this to happen, it, for it to happen to any family is awful. But Vicky is so stressed at this point. And the suburb where they lived, it was just all genteel, yes. successful business folk. Quiet. Everyone has a golden retriever and yes. iceberg roses in the garden. Yes. Day in, day out is yes. very normal. Lovely. People go to work. They come home. The women have tennis bracelets. The yes. kids are at private school. It really yes. is not anything that... Nothing bad happens. No, correct. But having said that, there was a murder just a few streets away from where sure. this happened. The other one, the Wales King one, but that we'll do that another oh, okay. day. So they've never experienced. I didn't know that because the friend who lived near that reported to me daily on oh. the Wales King. We kept going See? past, and yeah. So police start looking for criminal links in his background, and they do this because they do that with everyone. But they they are kind of thinking at this point that maybe it's extortion, just given how wealthy Herman is. Mm. A reporter asked his brother at the press conference if he thinks that's a possibility and his brother Robert says they're not ruling anything out um, this is what his brother had to say at that same press conference I wished him well for his birthday which is tomorrow uh, where he turns 52 on that work trip his brother said Herman had found out good news while they were away and the good news was that his 18 year old daughter had been accepted into medical school mm-hmm. and that kind of you know Herman was really happy about that and it meant 
to police that he had a reason to go home. Yeah, okay. Um, that he wasn't running away from his family. That he was. He said he was quite excited to see his daughter and congratulate her yeah. about getting into medical school. It's quite an achievement. So, police were saying they had nothing. They could not work out why he would go missing. And literally in the press conference, the lead investigator's like, we can't work it out. We don't understand what's happened. Uh, and I remember that time and being working in the newsroom at the time. And, yeah. And you couldn't even speculate. There wasn't no. even theories going around of what had happened. It was literally just like, how does this man just disappear? Correct. Yeah. And they wanted people, the only thing they could think of was to say, we want people to look out for his light blue Toyota Prius, right. which is what they had seen him on CCTV uh, from Melbourne Airport. They saw him arriving, uh, going out to the long-term car park and getting in this Toyota Prius yeah. and leaving and then disappearing. Yeah. So they wanted people to look out for the car. Um, this is his wife, Vicky, again. We've got no other avenues to go down. I mean, the police have been absolutely fantastic, but there's just nothing. It's nothing. You just can't imagine what it's like. It's, it's just unbearable. I felt so sorry for her. Oh, so you'll remember that I said, you know, obviously a second ago, that they've captured him leaving on CCTV. But when police looked at his flight information, they found the first clue. And that was that despite Herman telling his wife he would be landing at 10.30, yeah. he had in fact caught an earlier flight. Ah, his flight yep. wasn't delayed at all. Okay. He'd actually caught an earlier flight and landed at Melbourne Airport at 9.30. That was the first kind of red flag. Mm. So Vicky at this point is still making public appeals uh, for people to help her. And she's really doing the media rounds. She's going on radio. She's doing the TV interviews. Journos are bailing her up outside her house and yeah. she's talking to them. She goes on John Fane, which is a, a radio station here. Um, and this is some of the audio from there. In terms of the public, what are we exactly asking people to call in if they have a piece of a piece of the jigsaw puzzle. What might it be? Any piece of the jigsaw puzzle. Obviously, the critical thing is citing the car, which is which is a blue Toyota Prius, and the registration numbers UUP six eight two. So the day after this, there's this after this media blitz, the light blue Prius is found in a town called Balan, and it's called into the police by someone who heard Vicky on radio. Mm. That man's name is Craig Smith and he was a truck driver. He was going to unload sheep and he'd driven kind of up and back around these paddocks all day and he saw the Prius in the morning and he thought, oh, that could be that one they're looking for. Mm. Dropped off sheep, came back, Prius is still there, driving back and forth, Prius still there. So he rang up Balan Police Station and he reported it. And Balan's a semi-rural area, so it's not... Like it was a suburban street. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly what I was going to say. Balan is, to give you an idea of East Melbourne, where Herman lives, you've got Melbourne, kind of the city, smack bang in the middle. You've got Balan, which is 80 k's west of the city. And his house, Melbourne East, is 14 k's the other way of the city to the east. So the fact that his car is found in Balan is weird. So... The car is found on the same day, that, which is Herman's birthday. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Vicky at this point is talking about how what they all the things they would have done that day. So before she finds out the car is found, she's still doing interviews saying, you know, all the things they would have done. There's a little bit of audio here. Look, we probably would have been at home and normally what we would do, would we would have, the family, four of us would have gone out for dinner tonight. We were going to get him a, um, a new video camera for his birthday. So police and what we call the SES, which are... I don't know State what, Emergency Service. Yeah, but I don't yeah. know what other countries call the SES. Yeah, no, I don't know. They're volunteers that help police and they assist in line searches and help with lighting at murder scenes and all, all sorts of different things, crime scenes. The SES all go to this area they're looking for anything around the car that could lead them to where he was but when they look inside the car they can see a few items in the car that they saw Herman holding in CCTV okay. when he left uh, the plane so they can see a newspaper in the car they can see a book and a bag of fruit 
literally a bag of fruit. So grapefruits. I don't know why he had grapefruits. What an odd thing to have. Three grapefruits. Yeah. Not sure why. Um, but his overnight bag, the little wheelie bag, his phone and his laptop are not there. So now they have the car. They're obviously looking for Herman because yeah. he's not in the car. On the same day they find the car, Vicky receives a call at her home from a woman. It's a woman she's never met before. And the woman says, you don't know me, but I know Herman. And I want to tell you that he called me on the night he went missing. She tells Vicky that she had been having an affair with Herman for 27 years. Bang. Mm. Wow. The woman or mistress told Vicky that she never felt the need to reach out to the family or do anything. This was just an ongoing thing her and Herman had. But obviously now that he was missing, she wanted to see if she could help. But doesn't that suddenly change how you view him? 100%. If he, for 27 years, I know people do it and stuff, but but it changed. He's only married for 20. This is a 27-year affair. Yeah. But it immediately takes him from being this clean-cut guy, just doing all yeah, the right things, absolutely. Off to see the daughter being successful, mm. to somebody who has managed to keep a big secret yeah. for a long time. It's yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah. So Vicky, of course, goes and tells the police that this woman has called her and she becomes quite a good source of information. She tells police that Herman was, in fact, living a double life. He had four mobile phones on him at all times and four. Yeah. Hard work. Wow. Effort. Yeah. I can barely deal with one phone. Um, And that's what he used to keep this affair going. So... The police and obviously his family did not know about this prior. Police then decided they would go back to Herman's house and look through things a little bit closer. And they find a drawer in his office, which is locked. When they open the drawer, they find an envelope. And that envelope has explicit photos of Herman with other women. Hmm. They're also forensically going through everything that was found in Herman's car. And remember I mentioned there's a copy of a newspaper in there. So the um, forensic team start flipping through every single page of that newspaper. And towards the back of the newspaper where the Sudoku crossword page is, there is a semi-completed puzzle. And at the top of that page, there's an address scribbled in Herman's writing. And the address is uh, a place in Hadfield, which is in Melbourne's north. They then cross-check that address with the last address put into Herman's GPS. And it's the same address. Bingo. Yes. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I want to talk about a couple called Mario Shembri and Bernadette Denny. Mario is 57, Bernadette is 41. She is a mother, her health isn't great, she's got arthritis, she's obese and she suffers from alcoholism. They were gross, this couple, and I can say it because I know it's happening. They, they were, were revolting. They were revolting. And yep. you have to – do you know what? You can say it and you need to say it because these people are the polar opposite of the life that Herman's living. Yes, Total opposites. Couldn't be more different. So Mario is employed on and off. Uh, he has a criminal prior for assault. He works in rubbish removal. And they're swingers. They uh, visit... I, don't, I don't get it. I don't... I don't know. Would not it's do this that. story is Did you ever watch the Louis Theroux one and they're all the in the swingers? pool together? Yes, and I, know. I, just, I just find that so weird. No. Like, I would get jealous I if it was, there was some other girl there. I'd be like... Does he love her more than me? We what? know a couple that are swingers. Oh, no. Yeah, and every time we see them at parties, I'm always like, I don't, I just, I How do I they get, not get hurt get feelings? Nervous. Like, I would get hurt feelings. I don't know. I don't yeah. understand it. So they're into swinging and they go to, you know, they go to sex stores and when they're in the sex store, they pick up a copy of a swingers magazine. It has like a classified section in it, um, you know, where you post ads to meet up with other people Mm -hmm. and they see an ad in the swingers magazine posted by a man called Andy Kingston. And the ad reads attractive, fun loving couple who enjoy an active, uninhibited, but safe sex life. Mm. Mm. So they, they've got like a safe word. Banana. Is that the safe word? I don't know. I think you set your own one, don't you? So that, you know, if you're all going crazy, so. yeah. shackled to something. to be something very obvious. So. Someone brings a sheep into the room. You have to have like a word that you can I'm not sure out. banana tells you that. Yeah, okay. 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 Um, 
So this couple, Mario and Bernadette, contact Andy Kingston because they want some fun-loving good times. They all get in contact and soon enough, Andy had, I've written here, and Andy had popped over for sex. Andy popped over for sex. Um, But he was alone despite advertising that they were a couple. Oh, I see. Yeah, so nevertheless, Andy has sex with Bernadette while Mario watches Everyone, I'm doing a lot of people having sex while other people I'm watch. I'm just like really tense, really tense. So yep. everyone was somewhat happy with the first encounter and so they decide. What does that even well, mean? Well, it's, I don't know. They they, they approve. Um, they decide that they would meet a second time and Andy says he will bring a partner oh, for I Mario. See. Right, okay. So the second time rolls around, Andy turns up. No partner for Mario. Oh, okay. Yes, and Mario is pissed. He accuses Andy of using his wife. Andy doesn't care, and at this point, he's forcing himself on Bernadette, and he's being not a gentleman. Right. Yes. So Mario starts to fight with Andy, and Andy ends up dead. Mm -hmm. Andy is Herman. Yes, got it. Yes, Yes. got it. Okay, so Andy is Herman Rockefeller. So at this point, we need to go back to when police found the Rudy Nudie photos in Herman's office. And when police – what's happening? There's a fly. It's like this little bug that just keeps coming past. Maybe there is a dead thing in the – No, it's fine. I keep losing track of it. It's there. Yeah. Oh, I think you – no, no, it flew away. Sorry, go. So when they find the Rudy Nudie photos along in in that locked drawer, yep. they also find a copy of an ad. Oh, yeah, a sex ad. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go and they speak to the people that make that fine publication and they say, yes, in fact, Herman has been placing ads and he's been doing that for almost 10 years. Oh, goodness gracious. Yes. and His poor wife finding all of this out. I know. First the mistress, now this. Yes, and he started off uh, using fake names that were similar to his name. Yeah. But then he just, Andy Kingston. Harold. What? Rocker. Rocco. No, it was like, um, I think it was like Herman Rock or something like right, gotcha. very similar. Yeah. But then he just took on Andy Kingston and that's what he used for years. Mm-hmm. So the ads Herman placed were the total opposite of the life he lived with his family. They said he was an ex model, he worked in TV, they said he was flamboyant. He was literally living this a whole other life through these ads. He was being Goodness. the person that he wasn't at home. Yeah. So, this whole time, Mario and Bernadette think that the person they have killed is Andy. Oh, I see. Right. They don't know he's Herman. Right. They don't know he's the guy that's been spoken about in the news. Well, and they see the, the news. Yeah. Oh, they see the picture. Yes. Right. And okay. Yes. Right. And then they realise. What if they weren't looking up? What if they were like eating a bowl of spaghetti and just heard, oh, oh well, I think it was missing everywhere. businessman, Herman Rockefeller. I think it was so everywhere, right. the story, that you just couldn't, you couldn't not see it. So, remember how the address in the Prius yep. is the Hadfield address? Yep. So, police, as soon as they realise that, they're watching this house. And they are watching the house until they get a search warrant. And okay. what they see at that house is they see Mario leaving the house with a garbage bag. He's headed to a laundromat. They follow him. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of cop work I want to do. Yeah. I want to follow yep. fuckers. Yep. And I want to see shit. And I want to sneak around. You're nicked. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Correct. And they go to the pub and then as soon yep. as they're gone, you go in with like a napkin and pick up their glass. Correct. Get this down to forensics. Yes. That. Well... He goes into the laundromat. He comes out. takes an hour. He puts the garbage bag back in the back seat. Then he goes to the supermarket. They let him do the washing. Yeah. Why didn't they intercept well, you can't. the washing? I don't think you can intercept the washing. They don't have any warrants. They should have had a copper in the laundromat. So when he came in and said, I want to do this washing, the laundromat person – a fake copper, copper as in no, but I don't think there was a should have said, person. oh, sorry, there's no machines. Leave it with me. I'll put it in for you as soon as one of the other ones is free. Oh, well, they didn't do that. Just leave that bag of goodies with me. No, that doesn't happen. We'll do it for free. So That's what they should have done. he washes it. He oh. brings it back. He goes to the supermarket. While he's in the supermarket, they 
run to the car. Yep. They look through the window. They see it's a doona. Okay. It's, right. I think they took a photo. Okay. Yes. So some days later, police get their warrant and they arrest Mario at one property because he doesn't actually live with Bernadette. Right. And at the same time, they arrest Bernadette. In her house, they find blood in the lounge and the garage, but they still can't find Herman. In custody, Bernadette says she knows nothing about Herman or his disappearance, but after a while, she's worn down. I think they have to take her out for a ciggy, and then she starts to realise that this isn't going well, and she just starts to talk. Anyway, she says she first met Andy Kingston months earlier. She tells police that when Andy turned up for the second time without a sex partner, she had slapped him, and Herman had said to her, I like a feisty woman. Oh. Mm. All three of them started fighting and they ended up in the garage. Bernadette said Mario, um, sorry, Bernadette said Andy slash Herman mm. was hit over and over. He fell backwards and hit his head on the concrete, but she says he was still bleed- breathing. Mm. She says her and Mario were just in shock. They go back into the house and they're panicking. But she says in the end, they put him in the boot of the car mm-hmm. and they started driving him to Heathcote which is in it's, – it's, I think it's kind of regional. Yeah. And on the way there, she said they heard tapping from the boot. They should if – the, if he was injured and they were worried about him, they should have taken him to a hospital. Mm. So she said that they dumped him out there, and so police are obviously thinking now that he could be alive. Right. So okay. there's this big race on down to Heathgate to try and see if they can find Herman slash Andy roaming around out there. What they don't know is that prior to all of this, prior to their arrests, a call had been made to police and it was a woman who lived next door to Mario. Mm -hmm. And she was reporting Mario for burning things during a fire ban. Uh Uh-oh. There was a total fire ban, which we have in Victoria because we're very prone to bushfires and they're just days where the firefighters, you can't light a barbecue, you can't light an open fire, you can't mow lawns, I don't think either. Uh, Something about grass cutting you can't do. Yeah, you could be right because it it sparks. sparks. Yes, so firefighters actually go out there because this woman's hysterical. She's like, I don't know what is burning, but you can't be just burning stuff in the backyard like that. Did it smell like pork? Well, she said that it didn't smell great. (laughs) So firefighters go out there and they're looking over the fence and they're yelling out to Mario who's burning shit in a drum in his backyard and they're like, mate, you can't do that. You can't do it. He's like, I can't. They're like, no. So he douses the flames with water yep. and off they go. Anyway, back to the interview rooms. So in actual fact, Herman is not in Heathcote. Herman is not in Heathcote at all. No. And Mario tells police to call off the search because he's also in custody, obviously. He says what really happened was after the fight, Herman fell and died instantly. They said while they – while he, Mario says they did drive to Heathcote, but they changed their mind and they drove back. Mm-hmm. Bernadette goes out to the Prius. She gets Herman's phone, switches it off. The next day, the couple have the – they hire a tow truck. Yeah. And they tow the car out to Balan. As for his body, Mario went off to a hardware store, which in Australia is called Bunnings, and he purchases a chain- Bunnings warehouse. Correct. A chainsaw, overalls, and a mask. <laughs> don't do that. If I you're know. going to do a crime, don't buy a sh- go. To, yes, to I was about to say buy a shovel, but don't do that. And buy, buy like acid. I know. And it's tub. so obvious. It's so obvious. <laughs> okay, so back at the house, Mario cuts off Herman's head and his limbs, and he burns all the pieces in the drum. That's when the firefighters turn yep, up. Yep. Yep. Police go back to the house and they find a series of plastic bags in the backyard that are full of fragments of black ash, but there just isn't enough to confirm that those small fragments of bone are Herman. Right. And one of the forensic investigators said, imagine sorting out black pieces of black Lego. Yeah, That's okay. literally what they were doing and trying to find one that looked different. Yeah, okay. In the end, it was actually the tow truck company that called police and said, mm, we found a bag under the seat. It's full of burnt things. You might oh, want to have a look at it. Oh, okay. In there were two teeth that they, they identified as Herman's. Mario and Bernadette were both charged with manslaughter, 
Mario Why Shem- not murder? Yeah, I don't know. Happened in the heat of the moment, I guess. Did they accept that he fell and hit his head that they didn't intend to kill him? Mm, well, Mario Shembury received nine years. Bernadette served five years and he's out on parole. But I suspect Mario would be out by now too. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Wild, isn't it? Well, they come for us because we describe them as gross. They were gross. They were gross, yes. and that's a gross thing to but do. Both so I stand by. This massive double, or he was leading this double life. It just makes me feel icky. That whole story. I know. Icky, icky, icky. I know. Sorry, well, swingers. Imagine how his family felt. Like, yeah, their kids I know. I know. I feel terrible. And even the mistress, maybe to a certain. Well, she would have been sad to lose him of as course, well if they'd course. been together all those years. Yep. And if he, oh, oh it's very all very odd, isn't it? Is, it? it is. Um, mine is in Sydney. Okay. And I'll tell you why this, at the very end, I'll explain why this is such an important story to okay. remember. So this happened back in 1991. Sure. Uh, Saturday, August the 17th. So was August the 17th, the day Zaria Chamberlain went missing. It's the day. The yeah, day my previous Elvis story was died. around August yeah. too. What's the murdering season? Uh, I think a bridge fell August the 17th. So it was a sunny afternoon. In Strathfield, in Sydney's inner west, a 33-year-old taxi driver by the name of Wade Frankham left his home in North Strathfield and at around about one o'clock he arrived at the Strathfield Plaza. So it was a typical suburban shopping centre with uh, shops down below, a residential tower and an office tower and all the usual things, supermarket, cafes, a chemist. Uh, Being a Saturday afternoon, it was quite busy. There were people meeting there for lunch or coffee. They were doing their grocery shopping. It was opposite of railway stations, so it was quite a popular place for people who were catching a train or coming or going to to meet in the shopping centre and then go on their way. So Wade Frankham Frankham sat in a cafe called The Coffee Pot where he drank a number of cups of coffee over the course of two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And we'll put the pictures on our social media, but it was one of those um, cafes that you see in shopping centres that are um, sort of open-ish. You know, it's not like in an enclosed thing. It's sort of open to the shopping centre, almost out in the corridory part of it. So, uh, yeah, Wade Frankham sat. He had a number of cups of coffee over two and a half hours. He was wearing jeans, a denim jacket and a grey beanie. At the table next to him, there were two young girls, just teenage girls, and they they noticed that he kept turning around to look at them. One of them was a 15-year-old by the name of Roberta Armstrong. Her friends all called her Bo. Okay. At 3.30, so remember he arrived at 1, at about 3.30, Frankham reached into his bag and he pulled out a large knife. Oh. And without any warning, and some people say that he was actually smiling as he did it, he stabbed Bo Armstrong in her back, (gasps) killing her. Yeah, right. So Bob Yardy, the owner of the cake shop next to the coffee pot, said, at first I thought he was stabbing a couch, but then I turned back and saw this young woman slump forward. So Bo was laying face down over the table with the knife still embedded in her back. Okay. Frankham reached into his bag and pulled out a semi-automatic rifle and he started shooting around the cafe. Oh, my God. He shot 37-year-old Patricia Rowe. She was there with her mum, Joyce Nixon, who was 61. Yep. Uh, they were also there with their Patricia's two sons. Kevin was 14 and Nathan was 8. So Patricia and Joyce both died shielding the boys from the bullets. Yes. What year is it? 1991. Okay. Okay. Mm. Um, so the boys survived, but their mother and their grandmother were both killed. Okay. Rochelle Milburn was just 17 years old. She was about to start her year 12 final exams. Mm-hmm. She was at the plaza with her friend Belinda and Belinda's mum, Carol Dixon. So Carol saw Wade Franken pull out the gun and he to- uh, she told the girls to get out of there. Rochelle stood up to run and Franken shot her in the head. Oh. Carol threw Belinda over a barrier and she ran and she hid in a cupboard. So Belinda was injured, but she survived. But Carol herself was shot in the chest and she died later that night. The owner of the coffee lounge, a 51-year-old named George Mavris, he came out of the kitchen to hear what was happening and Frankham aimed and fired, killing him. Mm. 
George's brother James followed him out from the kitchen and he saw his brother fall to the floor. So Wade Frankham then ran through the shopping centre just shooting randomly. He shot dead 53-year-old Robertson Khan Hockvoon, who was in The Chemist, looking at a set of photos. Throughout the centre, people were running and screaming, trying to get away. He shot Helen Zhu in the arm. He then shot... Why don't I remember this? Yeah, it's... it's you're real. You're. I'll tell you why. There is a reason why. Okay. And that is really interesting. You should say that because it's it's often cited as the the shooting or the massacre that people forget. But when I, when we get to the end, you'll you'll know why. I think about Port Arthur, and I think about why okay. don't I? Why isn't this mentioned? Hold that thought. Okay. Sorry. Wade Frankham shot Helen Zhu in the arm. He hit another woman in the leg. He shot a cleaner by the name of George Sidaway in the leg, the hand, the stomach and the arm. Amazingly, though, he survived. He was screaming at people, firing at people who were running away from him. He didn't care whether people were facing him or not. One woman and two of her daughters had gone to the plaza to get some bread. They heard the gunshots. So the woman grabbed her girls. And, it's uh, you know, in shopping centres, there's a ramp. Like the the whole internal part of yes. the shopping centre is like a giant ramp. Yes. So she started running up the ramp with the girls to get to the car park, park up park. on the roof. Yep. And when she got a bit of the way up, she realised that she only had one of her girls with her. Oh, Jesus. So she ran back down into the building and she found her other daughter just standing there frozen, frozen. in fear. They all, thankfully, made it all to their car and they got out alive. God. Gregory Reed had been standing in a hardware store. He was waiting to pay for a broom and a toilet seat. And he saw Wade Frankham stab Bo in the cafe. He raced out and he saw everybody running and a lady screamed, look out, a man's gone berserk with a gun. He could see that uh, Wade Frankham was going up the ramp to the rooftop car mm. park. So he took the stairs. And this guy is an absolute hero. This, He's going um, up? Gregory Reed, yeah. Jesus. So Wade Frankham's going up the ramp. ramp. He's going shooting. up the stairs. Gregory Reed's bolting up the stairs three at a time. So he was about six metres in front of him. And he said he'd noticed that Frankham wasn't shooting at people who were on the ground. So he was saying to people, lie down, lie down. He won't shoot you if you're on the ground. When he got to the car park up on the roof, he told a couple there, quick, there's a killer behind me, lay down on the ground, he won't shoot you. So he put his head over the balcony to see where Frankham was and Frankham fired two <gasps> shots at him. They went past, mm. just missed him, really close Jesus. to his face. So Gregory Reed at this stage knew that Wade Frankham had him in his sights. Okay. And he knew that Frankham knew what he was doing, that yep. he was warning people. And he said later, I was out in the open and I was telling this lady, lay down in your car, there's a killer behind me. And she said, it's too late, he's right behind you. <gasps> so Wade Frankham was standing less than six metres away and he had his rifle pointed at Gregory Reed. So Reed dived to the side of a car. Wade Frankham fired at him, and as he was jumping through the air, the bullets hit him in the feet. <gasps> Gregory Reed was later awarded the Star of Courage, which is the second highest Australian bravery decoration for his actions, because they say he saved the lives of eight people, and I'm guessing possibly even more. Yeah. So Wade Frankham kept shooting. Some shots hit a car that was driven by a woman named Margaret Lamp. Mm -hmm. He luckily missed her. He shot a young couple, Beulah Patrick and Brett Lenane. They both survived, but they had to crawl away to get out of there. So by now he's up on the rooftop car park, and he tried his way to shoot. Uh, tried to shoot his way into so because there's office towers as well. Tried to shoot his way into the social security department building next door, but mm -hmm. his bullets wouldn't break the aluminium locks so he put his gun over the wall of the rooftop and started firing down at the Strathfield railway oh. station and the taxi rank so two passers-by Yong Wu and Zhao Yu were both wounded how many people are we up to now? We'll get to that. So around this same time because this is all I mean it sounds like a long time but it's all happened quite quickly sure so the police arrived now. Constable Darren Stewart had already been shot at while he was still in his police car from while Frankham was shooting over the rooftop. He, uh, Constable Stewart ran through the shopping centre chasing Frankham and when he got to the top of the building, Frankham um, shot several rounds 
into the door leading to the car park. So Stuart couldn't get out there immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, also up in the car park, in her car, was a woman named Catherine Noyes. Wade Frankham got into the passenger seat of her car. Terrifying. Put the gun to her cheek and ordered her to drive him to the suburb of Enfield. Okay. Um, and it never was worked out why he wanted to go there. So at that moment, Wade Frankham heard the police sirens approaching. Yeah. Catherine Noyes was driving her car as instructed by him at gunpoint. She'd gone one level down when he said to her, I'm really sorry, stop. So she stopped the car, he got out, he knelt down on the ground and he shot himself through the head. So in just 10 minutes, he had killed seven people and injured six and he didn't know any of them. So who was he and why did he do it? So Wade Frankham lived alone and police went back to where he lived. They found a large collection of violent films and books. One was a very well-thumbed copy of American Psycho, which I've never read or watched, but I hear people refer to it all the time. Yes, same. And apparently it's got very graphic descriptions of um, a serial killer's murders of innocent victims. So there was some suspicion that he was inspired by that. There were no drugs or alcohol in his system. There was no physical illness, no criminal record. He had Mm. no severe mental disorder. He had been treated for depression. um, And there was some evidence that he had been aggressive before. But his family were all really decent people. His sister Gaynor described him as a caring person who was loving and protective towards her. But she said that he completely rebelled against their parents' strictness and that the parents had very high expectations of him during his teenage years. And it was after he lost a job when he was 25, she said his personality seemed to change then. And then their father died of cancer. That was about five years before this incident. And their mother committed suicide about a year. It's funny that you say this because I was having a conversation recently with someone who wasn't from Melbourne, but they now live here. Uh, I was talking about all the murders and things that we've had. And we, I can't remember who we were talking about. We were talking about someone and I said, oh yeah, he was totally sane, even though he did that. And then this person was like, you know, how, but how can you be totally sane? These people have to be some sort of insane to do this. And my argument was they don't. Sometimes they just snap. Sometimes people just snap and they they are totally sane, but it's us that wants something to be wrong with them because then it justifies it. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we want to go, oh, well, tell me the drug abuse or the sexual abuse they had as a child or are they on drugs or blah, blah, blah. What's wrong with them? So we know that we couldn't be like them. Yeah, so we can't relate to them and that's what makes it okay and makes it understandable. But there are absolutely people that do horrible things and they are totally sane. Yeah. I mean, I do think it was a factor that he was – what the material he'd been reading and watching, mm. that somewhere in his brain it, it was saying, he well, snapped. this is how you behave. This yes. is what you do. This is what happens. Yeah. Um, he was under a bit of financial stress. He'd spent a lot of his – so he had inherited – because both the parents had died. The mother had suicided a year before. Um, he had got $30,000 for that and he'd spent – he'd blown that all on prostitutes. Right. Literally. Uh, so his sister's boyfriend um, <gasps> said that Frankham had shown him the rifle saying that he had bought it to wipe out people. Oh, good. But he thought he was only joking because he just wasn't that kind of guy. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Frankham had said to him, it's a fucked up world outside and there's some weird fuckers out there. Mm. Um, But outside of that, the coroner, Kevin Waller, and the forensic psychiatrist, Dr. Rod Milton, both found that Frankham's killing spree was impossible to predict. Yeah. So it was sometime later, the Glebe Coroner's Court heard that Frankham was deeply disturbed. He had had planned a mass murder in a very public place. Yes. There was a horrific video that was shown of the aftermath of the massacre, which um, showed – and we've got photos which we'll put online, but they're not – Graphic. Obviously, that graphic, they're ones yeah. that were able to be published. Sure. Um, but, yeah, what they were shown in court, blood-spattered bodies and the victims and the body Ugh. of Frankham himself, which yeah. I think we will post because that was published, actually. Yeah. Um, 
one woman during the hearing just ran ran sobbing from the courtroom. So in the end, it was said that um, anger, guilt, conflict, and having no money were probably the motivating forces behind the whole rampage. Sure. Um, he was angry because he was a failure. He felt emasculated by his parents. He felt guilt over his mother's suicide. Yep. He had conflict with his sister over his grandmother's estate. His money had run out. And he had been, uh, so he was lonely and he'd been alleviating that with prostitutes and he could no longer He ha- saw have no that. other way. Yeah. Not Can justifying just it, but. And I think we're, um, we're supposed to call them sex workers, not prostitutes. Yes, but, we are. Um, they play a very important role. Sex when workers? You think of, yeah. Absolutely they do. lonely people. Absolutely mm. they do. And I, you know, I think that their industry is really frowned upon, but I also think that no one ever knows mm. the. Where they help. Somebody Correct. in his situation. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and it was also said that the reading materials which glorified violence were probably part of pushing him over the edge. Mm. So after the shooting, the New South Wales Minister for Police imposed a statewide ban on rifles like the one that Wade Frankham used. Yeah. And the New South Wales Premier at the time, it was Nick Griner, he went a step further. He imposed a ban on the sale and resale of all military-style weapons that could not be imported legally into Australia. The massacre in Port Arthur happened five years later. Right. Quite a bit longer, but still in that sort of general part of of our lives. Yeah. Uh, And if you're not familiar with that case, Martin Bright in Port Arthur killed 35 people, injured Mm. 23. He went on a shooting rampage. We should do that story. Uh, we probably should actually. Yeah, it's very and important. After the um, the Port Arthur massacre, our the Prime Minister of our country, John Howard, at the time, he very quickly introduced a national approach to gun control. So he banned military style weapons, and the government had a buyback scheme where people with could just it was an amnesty, just hand in your weapons, and they bought back all unregistered, illegal, unwanted firearms. So. Um, it is really important to remember that this incident at Strathfield and yeah. not just Port Arthur led to the changes in our gun laws and, and that the people who died at Strathfield didn't die in vain. Yes. Mm. I'm glad you told me that story because I didn't know it. Yeah. And it's obviously, as you said, very important. There's another shooting one which I'll do down the track a little bit and that's the <clears throat> excuse me, the Queen Street Massacre. I was reading a book during lockdown by an undercover detective and before he was an undercover detective he got called in on here in Melbourne we had a, a mass shooting at Queen Street and um, yeah so I'll share that one a little bit further down the track. Should we do a couple of feedbacks? Please. Coast how long are we? Uh, so far, 56 minutes. All right, if we do a couple of quick ones. Yeah. Do you want to look through and pick one that you like the Thank look Thank you. Of? I'm just going to do the first one. I bet I know which one you're going to pick. This is from Kim. Hang on, I talked over you. This is from Kim. Mm. Hi, DD, Chanel and Cursed. Nice things, nice things. My partner and I have binge listened to mm. every podcast from day one and have listened to some three times over. That's good. I went back and listened to the poo, the um, I know. the poo one where we lose, where it. we lost it, and the sneezing, uh, the wiping your nose on the baby. Um, oh, see, the other one I love is where it was a house somewhere. I said where the murder had happened, and you said we should go there, but I did a voice. <laughs> I can't remember. You said, but I thought it's so silly. It doesn't make make sense, but I became hysterical for no reason. Okay. It's funny listening to yourself laugh again. Kim says, We love the banter and amazing accents, so don't ever stop with those. I love the accent. Kim says, I came across this story about Japanese doctor Fukushi Masachi. Fukushi. Show it to me. Here, say that. I've got this. Fukushi. Masaki. I actually reckon that's right. And thought it may be of some interest for you to share sometime. Thank you for being our travelling buddies. We always listen to you in the car on long trips. Yes. Holiday road. I watched that too. There's a modern version. Do you want me to read this or should we do this as a story? Oh, so we did a little research on Dr. What D said, who was born in 1878. He was a professor of Nippon Medical School in Tokyo. He was the founder of the world's only collection 
of tattoos from the dead. <laughs> he was known as Dr. Tattoo. There is a, a name for it, but I can't say that. I just can't pronounce it. He was he's, his, he was studying syphilis and he became interested in tattoos when he noticed that the tattoo ink killed the skin lesions of syphilis. Mm. He removed the skin and preserved it. He collected 2,000, quotation mark, hides. Gross. Gross. He put some of his collection of tattooed hides and groomed skin in an air raid shelter where they were protected from the effects of war. These skins are all that remains of his collection and some are on display at the Imperial University of Tokyo. We have photos. I'm just making a note here to make sure that we post the photos of the tattoos. Oh, look at this feedback from Hannah. Yeah. Ladies, so many nice things. Your podcast has improved my life. <laughs> that's big. How have we done that? I don't know. That, that's good. It makes me feel great that I'm improving lives. Yeah. I'd love to have a beer with you both. You crack me up. Vala, I think I'm a little in love with you. Yeah, we all are. Everyone no. is. I am. <laughs> Thank you. Kirsten, are you in love with Chanel? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I'm in love with all of you. <laughs> Thank you and keep casting Hannah. Cute. I'll do one. This is from Maddie. Hi, Dee Dee, Chanel and Kirsten. Nice things, nice things. I have loved the show since I first discovered it at about episode five or six. What happened to one, two, three and four? They wasn't into the, it. Took I a while. Yeah. I Warming up. Back. I wouldn't bother with them. Uh, I can't even imagine what our first episode sounds like. I don't think I'm too scared to go back. And yeah, listen. I don't want to go back. I think I overdid uh, it with the sound effects, so don't go back. Don't, don't oh, go back. Yeah. Oh, there was a fly. There was a fly. Yeah, and a zipper. Oh, the people hated the fly, so don't worry. We <laughs> won't be back. <laughs> we won't be back with sound I effects. Like sound effects. Uh, Maddie says, I listen to it every time I have to go to work, which takes a decent two hours each way. Oh, that's a whopping drive. Uh, Maddie has a ghost story. I'm when into I was it. a child, my mother and I would visit the grandparents in Childers. Is that in Tasmania? No, I've got backpackers. A story. Isn't that in Queensland? Do you want to do it in the middle of Maddie's feedback? No, that's rude. I'd only do it in the middle of your story. Go. I can vividly remember watching the movie The Santa Claus one year at Christmas with a friend. Oh, I see. Mm. She's got a little ghost oh. friend. This must have been very early in the morning as mum woke up and saw the door was open and little me watching TV. When she asked what I was doing, I said I was watching TV with my friend, just little old me and no one else. Oh, dear. So she can see the ghost, but mummy can't. No one else can. About a year or so, Maddie remembers taking a bath with her friend. I think I've edited this down a little bit. Oh, no. How old Um, is the friend? uh, Well, you would hope the same age, wouldn't you? If you're a kid, you're not going to dream of adult ghosts. Well, I would just be checking. It's where my mind goes. But lots of kids have imaginary friends. I wonder if it was in that category. Uh, Maddie also tells us about her Nana's house, which had a bad vibe in the spare room. And Mm. many years later, her Nana told her the house had indeed been haunted a family member did some research found that a little girl had been killed by <gasps> a man and was buried on the property he died sometime afterward and was also buried there maddie says i'm a nurse and have only seen one dead body but that was sad and i took solace in this podcast and your banter oh i'm sorry you were sad over a body thanks for all the last love maddie thank you maddie Chanel's got one more for us. This is from Tom, and Tom says, Dear Dee Dee and Chanel, love your podcast. Binged most of it during the initial COVID lockup. Was horribly disappointed when I had heard all of them and had to wait for the next podcast like normal people. I saw this today and thought you'd appreciate it. Keep up the good work, Tom. Is this a Facebook message? It is. And it says, Why do so many murderers bury victims in their own backyards? Why? Someone writes a comment underneath it. Not everyone has the trunk space or gas money to drive way out in the middle of nowhere to dump their bodies. Check your privilege. (laughs) We're all doing the best we can out here. This is a beautiful example of the internet in 2020. Yes, yes it is. Check your privilege about murdering. Nice. Can I tell a quick story? Please do. I'm convinced there's a ghost in my house. Oh. Yes. So, is it from the neighbour next door? My sister. So many things we have to catch up on. I'll tell them quickly in order because I know we're running out of time. I was asleep about. So, I've always thought there was something in our house because my dogs randomly. Yes, go and stand in the the corridor. Yes, they go and stand in the corridor. They Mm -hmm. go and sit down there. They'll be dead asleep and they'll 
both stand up at the same time and they're like watching something walk across the room. Doesn't freak me out because I feel like if it was going to hurt us, it would have happened. Did we? I'm sure I asked you. It's a, it's a new house, isn't it? It's a new house. Yeah. Yes. So um, I have a feeling who it is, but anyway, it's fine. The other night, probably three o'clock in the morning, I wake up. The witching hour. It's always three o'clock. I could hear someone going through our pot drawer. Oh. I could hear pots. And I was awake, and I know I was awake. No. And it sounded like pots no. clanging in you the kitchen. You dreamed you were awake. No, and I know I was awake, and I laid there for a while, and then it stopped, and I was like, hmm. And I went back to sleep. And then the other night, when we could finally have people over, yeah. my sister was sitting on the couch, and she said, I just saw something walk down your hallway. Ooh. Yeah. This is what's happening in my house at the moment. I'm okay about it though. If it was is it gonna anyone hurt, we know? I think it's someone that we know. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's someone that we know. But I just feel... Uh, do, do you feel threatened? No. Yeah. Not at all. Why would they go through your pot drawer? I'm not sure why Isn't that would Isn't it usually happen. electrical appliances? It could be. It's usually because that's where they well, get when, their energy Remember from. the Florida ghost that was in my hotel room? Yeah. yeah that was lights. doing... That it was lights, yeah, and flushing the toilet. <laughs> anyway, I don't think it's the same thing that's followed me from there. I think that whatever's in my house, I think I know that person. I think they're a relative. Wow. Walking down the corridor. But my sister said we were all sitting on the couch, and my sister said I literally just saw something walk down your corridor. But then, what do you like, do at that point? Like, were you like, okay, let's go look? Like, or did no? You but just, I knew there would be nothing knew. there. Ooh, I'd be checking. <laughs> yeah, you might have a person living in your roof. Oh, cooking scrambled eggs in the middle of the night. There's no convenience in living in the suburb I live in. It's way out in the burbs. So (laughs) you wouldn't be living in my roof. You'd go closer in, surely. (laughs) Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.